Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Drew Hanlon with me. Drew, what's going on, my man? Man, nothing. Just uh, getting ready for workouts today. It's, it's early uh, West Coast time, so appreciate you having me on early and, and being flexible with your schedule. Absolutely, man. It's persistence, man. You're traveling all over the country and uh, helping all these guys, and uh, but I wanted to have you on the podcast because it's uh, it's fun to see what you're doing, man. It's really cool. So uh, before we get really dive into some of the stuff, you are the CEO of Pure Sweat uh, in, in an MBA strategic skills coach and consultant. Um, you work with all sorts of NBA players. I won't name drop on here, but people can check out your uh, Instagram and you can pretty much see who you work with. But uh, it's amazing to see what you're doing. But if you can, Drew, kind of open it up with what's made you the man you are today. I know that's a really big, wide open question, but kind of like to see what's made you the man you are today. Yeah, you know, I, I always tell people that, uh, you know, you're not only a product of all the hard work that you put in, but you're also a product of uh, everything that built you and made you. And you know, if I look at kind of the, the things that have allowed me to uh, achieve whatever level of success uh, that I've been able to have right now, it really starts way back when. You know, the other day uh, mm -hmm. I was driving two workouts and um, I saw a little lemonade stand and, uh, you know, my girlfriend was in the passenger side and I, I whipped, a, you know, whipped a quick right turn into like a parking spot. And she was like, is everything OK? And I was like, I literally have a rule. I cannot drive past a lemonade stand just because <laughs> you know, I remember myself, you know, making sure that I had a lemonade stand when I was younger and I cut grass when I was younger and I shoveled snow when I was younger. You know, growing up in St. Louis, you get, you know, all the seasons. So that means you get all the little uh, yeah. businesses as a youngster. So um, when you may you know, cut I, grass and shovel snow in like a 48 hour period, too, you know, Yeah, I know. Right. I know. Right. So. Um, you know, there's so many moments like that, that just snapped me back to kind of the, the grind that I had when I was younger. Um, you know, even now I'm in the product, uh, you know, the process of, uh, publishing my first self-help book. And, uh, it takes me back to my first ever self-published book that I did when I was in high school and sold them out of my backpack and the trunk of my car. Wow. And, um, you know, and then even just, you know, the work that I put in with, with my players, you know, what. Bradley Beal was the first ever basketball player that I ever started working with. And I started working with him when he was 13. I was 17. So I was still in high school. I didn't uh, know how to be a basketball trainer at that time, but I did know how to put in a lot of hard work. I knew, you know, consistent work, you know, plus, uh, you know, the right work led to good results. And so all I did was I just put him through consistent hard work that uh, was targeting the areas of focus that he needed to focus on. And that led to him, you know, finding success as well. So, I think that, you know, all the, uh, you know, the things that I'm experiencing now, uh, you know, were really just things that I, I learned that worked along the way or me avoiding things that didn't work along the way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to uh, kind of reminisce on those times and realize uh, where you picked up a lot of the strategies that now you deem so, uh, you know, dominant in kind of the practices that I do on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, what I love too is, I mean, so you played basketball at Belmont, right, in college and, and uh, had a good career there and then decided to get, I assume, right into the coaching with NBA players. Is that how that went down? Even earlier. So, um, you know, Brad Beal, I started with when he was a freshman in high school. I was a junior going into senior year in high school. So okay. that was what kind of started it all. Then I wrote a basketball drill book, um, self-published it at Kinko's. I went to FedEx Kinko's. That's lied amazing. to him. I was like, Hey, I'm doing a school project. I need, you know, 200 copies. They gave me a discount for it. That's how I was able to negotiate down like the price, uh, to five bucks a book. I went around town and I sold all those copies sold out right away. And so then I was like, all right, Hey, 
school project. I made a mistake. I got to reprint the 200, you know, and, and I kept doing it. And then eventually after like a thousand books, they were like, Hey, listen, we know this isn't for a school project, but we love that you're hustling and bustling. Like, what is this? And I told him, I said, you know, I, listen, uh, you know, I, I'm a basketball player and a lot of other players want to know what drills and skills I use on a daily basis to improve my own game. And so what I've done is I put together, you know, this book that uh, allows young players to follow the exact same drills and skills that I do. Um, but I end up selling 5,000 copies that summer. So you think, wow. as a, you know, as a going to be senior in high school, uh, you sell 5,000 copies, making 20 bucks a book. You do the math real quickly. You find out, hey, this is a profession that I can actually make some this money. Works. In. And then, you know, I started doing weekly academies. Uh, I had 96 kids that were paying me a monthly subscription to be a part of my uh, academies where they got to come in twice a week. And so early on, I was like, this is what I'm doing. And then my big break outside of, you know, training Brad, who ended up becoming, you know, uh, you know, a multiple time all star in the NBA was David Lee. Um, another NBA was born and raised in St. Louis. Um, you know, he went to the same high school that Brad did. And um, he finally gave me a shot my sophomore year in college. He was like in town, wow. uh, you know, in St. Louis and. Uh, my AAU coach was his AAU coach. And so he was like, Hey, you should really give this young kid drew a chance. And he was like, what am I, I'm not working with a college basketball player. What are you talking about? Like I'm in the, right. in, in the NBA, you know? And uh, I remember him texting me and I was in Nashville at the time at Belmont. And, um, he was like, Hey bro. He's like, it's, it's D Lee. I'm in town. I'd love to, uh, put some work in with you. When can you go? And I was like, anytime, when do you want to start up? And he was like tomorrow, 8 AM. And I remember, you know, finishing up a couple workouts I had in Nashville, getting in my car, driving to St. Louis, getting back at like midnight that night. I spent from midnight till 7 a.m. studying film of David Lee so I could really understand the ins and outs of his game. Got to the gym at like 7.15 because I wanted to mop the whole floor because I was like, NBA guys are not used to the floors that like, right. you know, used to working out these kids on, which are just like gyms with no ac you know the water fountain was like yeah. hanging by the last string and um and that's what i did but one workout turned into me being his full-time trainer for the rest of his career and, and that really uh expedited the process of me being a professional skills coach at the highest level yeah well and that's what i think is again fascinating as well when i you know follow you on instagram and i see the guys you're working with you know they they all look like they're you know seven foot tall and so how, how do you what have you done? Obviously, the work and things you just mentioned, but for these, the world's best athletes in the NBA to be humble enough to listen to this guy, um, you know, that to your point, high school, Belmont, and now doing this, how, how do they stay humble enough to listen to you? Well, you know, I, I heard the best quote uh, was actually from David Lee, who, like I said, was my first NBA client. And I remember us, we were sitting down and we were at Cheesecake Factory in Phoenix. And it was the night before um, they were getting ready to open up the season against the Suns when he was playing for the Warriors. And Steph Curry had made a comment, um, you know, about something. And David was like, hey, he's like, Steph, are you going to go to Seth, his little brother at the time was playing at Duke? Are you going to go to his opening night game? And he was like, I don't know why. And he was like, because Drew plays against him. And, and Steph was like, Man, he's like, Drew, I didn't know you coached uh, coach college ball too. And he goes, no, 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 he plays college. And he's like, wait, wait, what? And he's like, Drew plays at Belmont. Belmont opens up the season at Duke. So Drew is going to be wow. opening up guarding Seth. And Steph was like blown away. And I remember him asking David, he's like, all right, I got to ask a question. Like, 
how did you eventually trust this college kid that like, you know, was playing at a mid-major and, you know, averaging 10 points a game. And like, what, what are you doing listening to this guy? <laughs> and Dave said a great, great quote that, that best uh, kind of answers your question. He said, Phil Jackson couldn't beat Michael Jordan or Shaq or Kobe in one-on-one, but Phil Jackson could make Kobe and Michael and Shaq better versions of himself. And he said, Drew's not a better basketball player than me, but Drew can make me a better version of myself. And that's why I hired him. And so I think yeah. that best describes it is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm humble enough to know that I'm a small part of these guys' games. You know, my job is to make their work at, workouts as strategic as possible. My job is to make sure that I'm spotting things on film that they can't feel themselves when they're out there on the game. My job is to basically do all the dirty work so that all they have to do is put in the right work so that they can get the right results and get the best results possible. I also know that I'm leveling them up just a little bit, but that little bit is the difference between them being a all-star and them being an MVP or them being uh, a starter and them being an all-star or them being a role player and them being a star. So, you know, I'm really, I always say I'm like a GPS system, you know, like mm. they get in the car, they're the one doing the driving, but at the end of the day, they're saying, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. Help me get there in the most efficient and effective way possible. And then it's also my job, not only to put together that roadmap, but also if they get off course to get them back on and reroute them back onto the track that they need to be on so they can eventually get to where they want to become. And sometimes we even get past where they want to become and, and get to really special things in their career that they never thought were possible. Yeah, that's a great explanation. And it makes me think, you know, tying the basketball world to the business world. You know, I mean, I've had an executive business coach for years, right? So it's like, does, does that mean they're a better business guy than me, right? Using air quotes, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But the point is, is they can see things in me that I can't see myself. You know, you look at, you, oh, you can't see it. You know, Michael Phelps back here, you know, he had a, he had a coach, right? Could that guy beat him in swimming? Nope. But to your point, right, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I like the GPS thing. So um, what, clearly there's the physical side of that, but what else are you seeing from a mental side? Because uh, the, mental, the mental game up here is super important as well. Yeah, I always talk about the deep games, the deep games, the games that you play in your head and your heart that maybe you don't even know you're playing. And you got to win those games in order to, you know, win the games that take place on the court. And, you know, I, I think that most of professional athletes um, don't realize that uh, they, they're not as good at compartmentalizing things as they think they are. You know, a lot of times slumps on the court actually start off the court. And a lot of times, you know, when life doesn't feel great off the court, it's because their on court play isn't great. So they're so intertwined and deeply connected that I think that if a, a trainer only focuses on the player and not the person, they're doing that player and person such a disjustice. And so, yeah. you know, from an early age, I've realized that, um, you know, not only do you have to be able to do the skills, but you have to have the confidence to be able to do the skills in games. And then you have to have kind of the, um, you know, the awareness to understand that everything <clears throat> off the court can bleed onto the court. And so you have to make sure that you're completely taking care of them as both a person and player and person comes first. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny because you talked about you having a business coach. Um, you know, I'm a, a business coach for so many businessmen that make way more money than me, you know, multiple billionaire clients. And I always ask them because they always hire me. They're like, hey, I want you to be my business coach. And the hmm. first question I always ask them is I'm like, why would you hire me as a business coach when you're better at business than I am? And they kind of freeze. Hmm. 
then I go, tell me what's really going on. And that's when normally I realize they're really hiring me as a life coach. They just don't want to put that tag right. on it because there's some kind of stigma behind it. But it's so true. I mean, really, the ultimate goal of professional you know, sports, ultimate goal of business, ultimate goal of anything is to find peace in your real world, which is your life, not, you know, the little micro world, which is the sport or business that you're, you know, competing and playing in. And so I think the mental side of it is so important. Um, you know, I'm constantly pushing guys to levels that most people feel uncomfortable with, you know, and I always tell them, hey, the direct number of uncomfortable conversations that you have with yourself or with me, because sometimes I have to nudge them, is going to be kind of a, a direct proportion of how much success you have in your career. And I think most yeah. people don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations. Most people don't want to have those, uh, you know, kind of heart to hearts with themselves. Most people don't want to look in the mirror and say, you know what, he's right, or I know that I'm right yeah. deep down. But those conversations, those kind of self checks, those kind of digging deep moments, those are the exact moments that propel people to special, special things that uh, most people just aren't able to get to because they aren't willing to have those, you know, uncomfortable yep. times that go with those uncomfortable conversations. So what are you finding? Let's stay there for a minute. The, the, the billionaire, the, the business guy, the, uh, the basketball guy, what are, what are maybe one or two, three things that you can share with our listeners now of, Hey, if you could just implement this one thing into your life, right? Maybe they don't have the means or whatever to hire you or somebody else. So what's one of the, one or two or th three things that you could help with that? I would say, uh, you know, number one would be doing a self audit. And when I say a self audit, I mean, literally getting into the trenches and asking yourself, um, you know, what are the stupid things that I'm doing daily that are causing stress and struggles in my life? Um, you know, and like kind of like the keep chuck change ad kind of model. Mm. You know, what are the things I need to keep doing that are working? What are the things that I need yep. to chuck and get rid of that aren't working? What are the things I could kind of tweak and change that'll really, uh, you know, change the course of, you know, my daily actions? And what are the things that I'm not doing that I should start doing? But keep Chuck change ad, that would be one thing that I would say would be something very, very good for most people to do that deep audit. Number two is, I always say this, like, think about this. Let's say uh, somebody that you love, whether it's, uh, you know, your, your partner, whether it's your kid, whether it's uh, somebody that you love, a, a really close friend, if they say, hey, we need to talk, your heart drops, your stomach drops, like right. everything is like, we need to talk, like what, what, what's going on? Well, I always say you should have that conversation with yourself before somebody else does. So mm. if you have some kind of issue, if you're, you're struggling with uh, your weight, if you're struggling with drinking, if you're struggling with stress, if you're not uh, spending enough time with your family, if your financial situation isn't where you want it to be, whatever the, the, the main cause is that's kind of, uh, you know, one kind of thing that's overflow life that's causing all the disturbance, you know, you need to have that. We need to talk conversation with yourself before somebody else yep. has to have that conversation with you. So yeah. the second thing I would say is just figuring out what the main problem is and being able to actually address that main problem. And then the third thing that I think if I had to boil it down to three is consistency. And I think that consistency is where a lot of people slack off. You know, I always say that consistency trumps intensity. Um, and I think that both are great. If you can consistently be intense and intense in the right ways, that is awesome. But, you know, you see New Year's resolutions all the time where, you know, January yeah. 1st, you're, 
all right, here we go. I'm going to the gym. You're posting about it. You're tweeting about it. You know, January 4th, you're like, whoo, it's a brutal, you know, day, but I got after it today. I'm proud of myself. And then January 12th, the gym's empty. You know, everybody right. stopped going. Right. And so I think that there's so many areas. Think about diets. How many times have people started a diet on Monday and yeah. Friday comes around <laughs> and their friends invite them to some fancy restaurant and there's the bread there is just the best bread. And they're going, you know what? One piece of bread won't kill me. And then after that one piece of bread, well, I already cheated. I might as well enjoy my meal. And then that becomes a, ah, you know what? I'm just going to have a great weekend and I'll start my diet over on Monday. And it's like, we know you're not starting your diet over on Monday. If you do, then you know on next Thursday or Friday, you're going to break it again. So I would say the first thing is, you know, making sure that, um, you know, they do that audit, you know, kind of figure out what things they should keep doing, what things they should change that they're doing, what things they should add, what things they should chuck. Second thing, you know, like I said, have those, hey, we need to talk conversations, those deep conversations, those uncomfortable conversations. Everybody knows the, the thing that they don't want other people to discover about them deep down. And you've got to discover those things about yourself before mm -hmm. other people do. And then the last thing is, you know, consistency trumps intensity, you know, and I'm big on 100% is easier than 95%, which means, you know, for me, I'm 33 years old. I've never tasted alcohol. I've never done drugs. I've never, never smoked, never done any of that. It's easier for me when I go to a nightclub, somebody that doesn't know me might say, hey, do you want a drink? And I'll be like, no, I'm good. My friends that do know me, they don't even offer me a drink because they know I am not a drinker. <laughs> You know, and it's not one of those things where I show up and I'm like, is tonight the night I drink? If 95% of the time you don't drink, then every single time you go out, you're going to get pressured. Your friends are going to be like, hey, come on, just have one drink. Like, right. because they don't think like, I'm not a drinker. They think he drinks occasionally. This could be the occasion. And then if you have one drink, it's, hey, come on, you already had one. What's two? You know, two right. is going to get you. Drunk. Yeah. And eventually. It's a scene from, you know, the hangover where the next morning you wake up, you feel bad. You're, you're like, oh my God, I'm off my, you know, I'm off my streak. But hundred percent means I don't do this or I do do this. You know, for me, I know every morning I'm going to do, I'm going to jump in the cold plunge. I know I'm going to jump in yeah. the sauna. I know that I'm not going to drink when I go out. You know, I know there's certain things that I do every single day. It's just who I am instead of what I do sometimes. I love that. I'm just writing a note here real quick to ask you something later. So what, what makes you different? Do you think there's, I mean, there's thousands of people that would love to trade places with you, right? My, I was talking to my buddy, Steve Weinhoff last night and he had some great questions on here, but he's like, how do you stand out versus thousands of other people that want to do what you do? Yeah. I mean, my, my simple answer would be that I just get better results. Um, and I think the way that I get better results is by all the things that we talked about earlier, the little things, you know, I, Right now, I have more NBA clients than, than you know, NBA All-Star clients than any other trainer. And, you know, I've, I've been able to help my clients achieve $4 billion in contracts. And I still watch more film than any trainer that's up and coming. I still am doing free workouts for the kids in the parks just because I love helping grow the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. You know, this weekend, I'm going and speaking to... Uh, the Missouri Coaches Association. I'm speaking to Illinois Coaches Association. I'm running a, a camp for five to nine-year-olds so that my nephew can experience his first basketball camp. Those things aren't money makers, but those things are things that I do because I just truly love helping basketball players, coaches, trainers. And so I think that it's just the relentless hard work with also the obsession of doing everything that I can to help my clients get the best results possible. You know, it's weird, but like, I, I feel 
more than my clients feel sometimes after a bad game, like a regular Oof, season yeah. bad game. My clients can get over because there's 82 games in a season, a regular season bad game. They're like, it was just a bad game. But for me, when they have a bad game, I look at that as, man, I didn't do everything that I could to prepare them for that game. Whether it was it, in the summertime, I didn't spend enough time on their finishing. So that's why tonight they had a bad finishing. Or, man, was it their angles of attack? Did I not see something on a coverage report beforehand that I should have given them? Or I'm going through all these questions where they might just be like, I just didn't have it tonight. So you have to have that level of obsession you know, to me, you know, it's funny because the definition of obsession is the narrowing of, of things that and focus that brings you pleasure. And for me, hmm. the things that bring me pleasure is helping other people succeed, whether that's a businessman that's trying to turn their life around, whether that's somebody that's trying to become financially free or whether that's a basketball player that's trying to achieve great things. It doesn't matter. But like my obsession is helping people. And so I think that's what makes me stand out is that I'm willing to do anything and everything you know, whether that sacrifice sleep, sacrifice time, you know, there was a year, I think five or six years ago, um, and I spent 22 nights in my own bed. Think about that 22 wow. nights in my own bed, but I'm willing to do that just because, you know, I put other people's success over my success. And I think that's why I've been able to find my own personal yeah. success along the way. That's amazing. Gosh, that's, that's awesome. So, and, and another uh, question Steve talked about is the game has changed so much, right? Back in the day, you, you know, a crossover and a between the legs behind the back was a big deal. Then you got the Euro step, the step back jump shot, all these different things now, like where do you see the game going and how do you stay a student of the game? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's fun for me because, um, you know, I remember growing up and my birthday present was one ticket to an NBA game. And my Christmas present was a flight hmm. to that NBA game. And I remember, you know, how excited I got, you know, I remember also like when I used to get like the, the new shoes, like I'd get Tracy McGrady or Gary Payton shoes. Yeah. And, and it would be like, you kept the box in your backpack so that the shoes never got scuffed. Like, you know, I remember all those moments and now I'm on the other side of things where, you know, I get to help the best players in the world. And I, I honestly get to help pivot the game forward. You know, there's a couple of moves that I've, invented if you will or created or kind of us on the court kind of brainstormed that now are wow. uh, staples to, to young players games and so i would say that the game is ever flowing the game is ever changing uh for me i'm watching so much film that if i see a mistake happen like say you know there was one time in transition that i saw uh, manu ginobili do something and he literally stumbled but the defender reacted a certain way. And I said, whoa, why did the defender react that way? If you cross the ball one way and you jab or slide the opposite way, does the defender go with the ball or go with you? And I'm like, well, either way you win because if the defender goes with you, now your momentum is loading and exploding, whereas their momentum is sliding and recovering. Whereas if they don't go with you, it's a quick counter, a crossover, and it changes. And I remember seeing that one mistake where he ended up getting fouled and getting you know, tripped up and then ends up on the floor and shooting free throws. And I turned it into a one-on-one -on -one move. This is like a decade ago. And now it's become a pattern. So to me, it's just trial and error. You try a bunch of things out and the things that are working, you keep trying to refine them until they work better. And then when they work better, you keep trying to refine them until they work, you know, as best they can. Yeah. And the things that don't work, you just chuck them. You get rid of them and say, okay, you know what? We tried it. It doesn't work. You know, I, it's even to the stuff where, you look like right now, three pointers are so heavily uh, valued in the NBA that, you know, with some of my clients, you know, we started the sidestep, you know, poles and all these kind of different sidestep threes and different threes to, you know, 
ways to get inside the three-point line and get back outside the three-point line. And then you go, all right, so we start shooting floater threes, like runner threes off of one foot. And it takes somebody to try it out and say, okay, now we chart the numbers. Does it make sense? Is that a good shot or not a good shot? But there's a ton of things that we try on an experimental basis that uh, never see the light of day. And there's also things we try that we don't think we'll see the light of day. And then they use it in a game randomly because it's somewhere in their, you know, in their bag of tricks. And uh, then we say, okay, maybe we were wrong. Maybe that does work. And then we kind of, uh, you know, start to kind of reprogram it. So where are the trends going? I don't know. It's just a constant nonstop thing. Um, You know, I do see, obviously the analytics have taken control of the game, which means defensively, they're going to start taking away what the offense is trying to get, which is going to open it back up to, you know, kind of the older school modern game where more mid-range shots and more mid-post actions or stuff are, are made. But the game's constantly evolving, which is fun for me just because it keeps that challenge uh, on the board where you constantly have to make sure that you're not falling behind and, and you are preparing your clients for anything and everything they could be experiencing yeah. when they're out there on the court. So what do you see the biggest difference between the best versus the average? And I would say the average in the NBA, right? There's still some of the best. But like in golf, I look at it as number one and versus like number 150 on the PGA Tour. They're like, you know, one stroke different. Uh, That's one putt, right? That's one four-foot putt. What are you seeing as that quote-unquote four-foot putt in the NBA? Like what makes them different? Confidence. Confidence. Because there's different reasons why the best players are the best. You know, you look at let's let's start, you know, in the uh, in the MVP conversation and go down. So like Joel Embiid, one of my clients, what makes him the best is skill dominance uh, on both ends of the floor. But yeah. again, there's other players, there's other big guys, maybe that can't do it as well as he can, but they they can still do the same moves and and drills and skills as he can one on zero. But they don't have the confidence to be able to do it against defenders in games against. Uh, double teams and different coverages and schemes. Then you look at somebody like a a Jokic, you know, who's just unbelievably gifted as a creator, a passer, great touch, great feel, his IQ. Well, there's a lot of players that are very smart, that are very skilled, that have the ability to make good passes and make good reads, but they don't have the ability to throw, whip those cross-court passes uh, in a tight space. They don't have the ability to take the extra dribble to get a little bit closer to the basket. They don't have the ability to, to do these things when they're guarded you look at somebody like Giannis Giannis has obviously you know been so dominant two MVPs a finals MVP a defense player of the year all these kind of things Giannis has unbelievable like will to just compete you know like he's not an elite shooter he doesn't have elite footwork he doesn't have elite ball handling he doesn't have elite post moves what he does have a elite is his his ability to compete you know, he's worked extremely hard to turn himself into the athlete that he is today with strength and physicality. You see how he's grown. But there's a lot of players that play hard, but they don't have the ability to do what he does because, you yeah. know, he just has that extra level. So when you go down the line, each guy has a different thing that they're good at or great at. But really, it's just they've been able to turn it on because you also see players when they change roles, like a Mikel Bridges, for instance. You know, Mikel Bridges was on the, the Phoenix Suns and was – a really good role player. But then when he got to the Brooklyn Nets and he had better opportunity, that confidence changed. It wasn't like he had, you know, in three day span that he changed yeah, he teams. Got better. That he went to the gym and got so much better. It was that one, his opportunity changed, and two, his confidence in that new opportunity changed. And so I think that's what really helps, uh, you know, the best of the best stand out is they have the ability to do it. You know, if you think about businessmen, same thing. 
How many times do people have great ideas? Like they're watching Shark Tank and they're like, I thought yeah. of that. But it's like, did you actually do anything to try to make that thing a reality? No, but somebody else had the confidence to go out there and try to build what you thought of. And that's why they're a millionaire or a billionaire. And that's why you're watching their episode on Shark yeah. Tank. So, yeah. I think that that's the, the biggest thing in life is just confidence. Having you know, having thoughts and having ideas is one thing, but having the confidence to act on those ideas and then having the confidence and, and kind of, uh, you know, persistence to be able to get past the moments of doubt that are going to be in your way at some point along the lines, that's what makes the best of the best. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. So you mentioned, I know we got to go here in a little couple minutes, but, uh, you mentioned sauna cold plunge, what other advice would you have for business leaders um, that, you know, I'm not an NBA player, so I got to treat my body, but I still want to treat my body well, right? So what are you recommending people do daily to take care of themselves to be at peak performance? Number one, keep the peace, which means eliminate everything that is not peaceful in your life. Uh, and I mean that, you know, the, it, that's yeah. the easiest way for somebody to feel great. Um, you know, I think that there's too many people chasing things instead of, uh, you know, eliminating things that would actually help them more than the chasing. I always think of like this, uh, you know, this video that I saw and it was a long time ago and it was one of these like self-help motivation kind of things. And there was somebody and they had a ton of weight on their back and they're trying to sprint and they're not going very fast and they're trying to sprint and they're not going very fast. And somebody just comes over and helps them take off the backpack of weight. And now they start sprinting and it was like, Hey dude, listen, you can either try to run harder or you can just take off the extra weight. And now you're going to be moving a lot faster. And I think that'd be the number one thing I'd say is when I look at everybody from the top athletes in the world, the top business people in the world, they've been able to, uh, manage stress and eliminate stress and delegate stress better than anybody else. You know, that's yep. the number one thing that sure. I would say. Second thing that I would say is, uh, you know, what you eat is, is so important. And I think that the easiest way, it's not, there's not a special diet. It's just, you know, the foods that make you feel good, eat more of that. And the foods that make you feel bad, eat right. less of that, you know? And then the last thing would just be exercise. Obviously there's so many different, um, you know, studies out there that show you that, you know, if you have somebody that's fat, that doesn't, you know, that, that does exercise and somebody that's skinny that doesn't exercise the fat person actually that exercises is actually more healthy in most cases, as long as you're not super overweight, ideally you're, you're exercising and you're not overweight so that you're really winning. But there's even things that like, I helped my dad lose 90 pounds in a calendar year. Um, just wow. doing little things. It was eat half of your meal and then save the half for later. And you realize, okay, you're just, your portion size sucks. And then, okay, yeah. every time you're hungry, drink water before you eat. And you realize a lot of times you're thirsty when you think you're hungry. And then it was get outside. Hey, put your shoes on, start walking around the block. If you go just a lap around the street, that's okay. If you're feeling bad, just get back home. But at least you walked. If you're feeling good, then go walk for an hour. Those were the three things that we did to start out. And it lost 90 pounds just because what happens is you get in the habit of eating well, you get in the habit of eating smaller portions, you get in the habit of you know getting out of the house every single day instead of just the days you feel like it. Um, but I mean, there's a million things they can do. I think that the problem is when people try to do all, they try to yeah, like start this new program, it's too much. And then the intensity is there, but not the consistency that we talked about earlier. I would say do little things. Like I always say starter steps. 
Like what is the smallest yeah. action that you're willing to take and that you're going to do even on the days that you don't feel like doing them? Do those, build up the habits, and then grow those habits until they become things that actually benefit you in the long run. Yeah, I love that. That's so simple, right? But yet it's so powerful because I think some people are like, all right, I haven't worked out in months, but now I'm going to work out six times this week. It's like, well, dude, that you haven't done it at all. So you really think you're going to work out six times this week? It's kind of crazy. So last question for you, uh, future greater than your past. You can see the sticker here, having a future greater than your past. When you hear those words, that's what our mission is to help people achieve is a future greater than their past. What's that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, to me, honestly, I always think back of, you know, how I grew up and I saw my parents make so many sacrifices for me. Um, you know, I remember when I was 16 years old and the day before my 16th birthday, I remember my mom coming in the house and my mom pulled me aside and was like, hey, Drew, just so you know, tomorrow on your 16th birthday, you're getting a car. And I like start mm. smiling. She goes, now, the reason I'm telling you early is because it's not the car that any of your friends have. It's not the car that you probably want. It is a car that has 180,000 miles. It has a huge dent in the driver's side door. It squeaks a little bit, you know, the tires squeak a little bit, the brakes squeak a little bit, but it's gonna get you point A to B. But the reason I'm telling you today is because tomorrow morning, when you walk outside, I, I want you to be happy in, as you can be. I don't want your dad to be like sad that you weren't appreciative of the car. Now, what little what she didn't didn't know is I was so happy just to have a car because it made and man I got to get to the gym and back, got to get to my right. workouts and back, whatever. But that to me, my past, I never realized we were uh, not as well off when I was younger because you know when when I got Abercrombie and Fitch stuff, it might have been a, a hand me down or uh, it might have been a, from a reuse it shop or it might have been from a garage sale. But my parents did everything that they could to make sure that we still had all the things that we needed to have or wanted to have. You know, if we wanted to play sports, they made sure that we were on the teams that we wanted to play for. If we wanted to travel, they would, you know, I remember my mom, you know, cleaning, literally cleaning houses, uh, you know, just so that my sisters could go to St. Joseph's Academy, which was a private school that had good, oh, yeah. you know, sports teams and academics. And she did that so that they could afford going there. But I just think about that when I think about my past. And so when I think about future beating greater, I always think about, man, at some point in every family's history, there's somebody that changes the course of their entire family. And I want to be that person, you know, and, and I really do think that that's the one special uh, bond that my clients and I share. A lot of them come from the same backgrounds that I came from. And we get to be the person that changes that, like that, you know, our families aren't going to have to struggle or stress over financial yeah. concerns anymore. Our families are going to get, you know, my nieces and nephews, when they get to go to basketball games, they get to be on the court before the games. They get to meet their favorite right. players. They get to, you know, FaceTime with, you know, it's their birthday and Jason Tatum's their favorite player. I'm FaceTiming them with them. I didn't get to do those things, but they do because, right. you know, their future is going to be better than, you know, all of our collective past. So, you know, when you said that, that's what it brought me back to is just, I've seen all, all the sacrifices that my parents made uh, to make sure that we had such a blessed life. And I also realized that, you know, there are tons of people out there that pray for our worst days. And so keeping for that, that perspective in mind, I'm going, man, how can I help as many people as possible experience the exact same thing that I'm experiencing, which is this, uh, you know, this, this, uh, you know, feeling of, uh, you know, almost appreciation and gratitude 
to be able to do something that I love each and every day when I wake up. Well, Drew Hanlon, you are the freaking man. I know you got to get going. Hang with me when I hit record uh, or finish recording here. But, uh, man, awesome, awesome freaking information. And uh, thanks so much for being on the Circuit of Success. Awesome. Appreciate you having me.